0: Chapter Fifteen of the Life and Adventures of Sir Lancelot Greaves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Life and Adventures of Sir Lancelot Greaves by Tobias Smollett. Chapter Fifteen Exhibiting an Interview. Which it is to be hoped will interest the curiosity of the reader. The mind of the delicate Aurelia was strangely agitated by the intelligence which she received with her pocket book from Dolly. Confounded as she was by the nature of her situation, she at once perceived that she could not, with any regard to the dictates of gratitude, refuse complying with the request of Sir Lancelot, but in the first hurry of her emotion she directed dolly to beg in her name that she might be excused for wearing a mask at the interview which he desired as she had particular reasons which concerned her peace for retaining that disguise our adventurer submitted to this preliminary with a good grace as he had nothing in view but the injunction of his order and the duties of humanity and he was admitted without further preamble. When he entered the room, he could not help being struck with the presence of Aurelia. Her stature was improved since he had seen her, her shape was exquisitely formed, and she received him with an air of dignity, which impressed him with a very sublime idea of her person and character. She was no less affected at the sight of our adventurer, who, though cased in armour appeared with his head uncovered and the exercise of travelling had thrown such a glow of health and vivacity on his features which were naturally elegant and expressive that we will venture to say there was not in all england a couple that excelled this amiable pair in personal beauty and accomplishments aurelia shone with all the fabled graces of nymph or goddess and to sir lancelot might be applied what the divine poet ariosto said of the prince zerbino natura il fece e poi rupe la stampa when nature stamped him she the dye destroyed our adventurer having made his obeisance to this supposed miss meadows told her with an air of pleasantry that although he thought himself highly honoured in being admitted to her presence, as superior beings are adored, unseen, yet his pleasure would receive a very considerable addition, if she would be pleased to withdraw that invidious veil, that he might have a glimpse of the divinity which it concealed. Aurelia immediately took off her mask, saying with a faltering accent, "'I cannot be so ungrateful as to deny such a small favour.' TO A GENTLEMAN WHO HAS LAID ME UNDER THE MOST IMPORTANT OBLIGATIONS. THE UNEXPECTED APPARITION OF MISS AURELIA DARNELL, BEAMING WITH ALL THE EMANATIONS OF RIPENED BEAUTY, BLUSHING WITH ALL THE GRACES OF THE MOST LOVELY CONFUSION, COULD NOT BUT PRODUCE A VIOLENT EFFECT UPON THE MIND OF SIR LANCELOT Greaves. HE WAS INDEED OVERWHELMED WITH A MINGLED TRANSPORT OF ASTONISHMENT admiration, affection, and awe. The colour vanished from his cheeks, and he stood gazing upon her in silence, with the most emphatic expression of countenance. Aurelia was infected by his disorder. She began to tremble, and the roses fluctuated on her face. "'I cannot forget,' said she, "'that I owe my life,' to the courage and humanity of sir lancelot greaves and that he at the same time rescued from the most dreadful death a dear and venerable parent would to heaven she still survived cried our adventurer with great emotion she was the friend of my youth the kind patroness of my felicity my guardian angel forsook me when she expired Her last injunctions are deep engraver on my heart. While he pronounced these words, she lifted her handkerchief to her fair eyes, and after some pause proceeded in a tremulous tone. I hope, sir, I hope you have, I should be sorry. Pardon me, sir, I cannot reflect upon such an interesting subject unmoved. Here she fetched a deep sigh that was accompanied by a flood of tears, while the knight continued to bend his eye upon her with the utmost eagerness of attention. Having recollected herself a little, she endeavoured to shift the conversation. You have been abroad since I had the pleasure to see you. I hope you were agreeably amused in your travels. No, madam, said our hero, drooping his head. I have been unfortunate when she with the most enchanting sweetness of benevolence expressed her concern to hear he had been unhappy and her hope that his misfortunes were not past remedy he lifted up his eyes and fixing them upon her again with a look of tender dejection cut off said he from the possession of what my soul held most dear i wished for death and was visited by distraction i have been abandoned by my reason my youth is for ever blasted the tender heart of aurelia could bear no more her knees began to totter the lustre vanished from her eyes and she fainted in the arms of her attendant sir Launcelot, aroused by this circumstance assisted dolly in seating her mistress on a couch where she soon recovered and saw the knight on his knees before her i am still happy said he in being able to move your compassion though i have been held unworthy of your esteem do me justice she replied my best esteem has been always inseparably connected with the character of sir lancelot greaves is it possible cried our hero then surely i have no reason to complain if i have moved your compassion and possess your esteem i am but one degree short of supreme happiness that however is a gigantic step oh miss darnell when i remember that dear that melancholy moment so saying he gently touched her hand in order to press it to his lips and perceived on her finger the very individual ring which he had presented in her mother's presence as an interchanged testimony of plighted faith, starting at the well-known object, the sight of which conjured up a strange confusion of ideas. This said he was once the pledge of something still more cordial than esteem. Aurelia blushing at this remark while her eyes lightened with unusual vivacity replied in a severer tone sir you best know how it lost its original signification by heaven i do not madam exclaimed our adventurer with me it was ever held a sacred idea throned within my heart cherished with such fervency of regard with such reverence of affection as the devout anchorite more unreasonably pays to those sainted relics that constitute the object of his adoration and like those relics answered miss darnell i have been insensible of my votary's devotion a saint i must have been or something more to know the sentiments of your heart by inspiration did i forbear said he to express to repeat to enforce the dictates Of the purest passion that ever warmed the human breast until i was denied access and formally discarded by that cruel dismission i must beg your pardon sir cried aurelia interrupting him hastily i know not what you mean that fatal sentence said he if not pronounced by your own lips at least written by your own fair hand which drove me out in exile for ever from the paradise of your affection i would not she replied do sir lancelot grieves the injury to suppose him capable of imposition but you talk of things to which i am an utter stranger i have a right sir to demand of your honour that you will not impute to me your breaking off a connection which i would rather wish had never heaven and earth what do i hear cried our impatient knight have i not the baleful letter to produce what else but miss darnell's explicit and express declaration could have destroyed the sweetest hope that ever cheered my soul could have obliged me to resign all claim to that felicity for which alone i wished to live could have filled my bosom with unutterable sorrow and despair, could have even divested me of reason, and driven me from the society of men, a poor, forlorn, wandering lunatic, such as you see me now prostrate at your feet. All the blossoms of my youth withered, all the honours of my family decayed. Aurelia, looking wishfully at her lover, Sir, said she, you overwhelm me with amazement and anxiety you are imposed upon if you have received any such letter you are deceived if you thought aurelia darnell could be so insensible ungrateful and inconstant this last word she pronounced with some hesitation and a downcast look while her face underwent a total suffusion and the knight's heart began to palpitate with all the violence of emotion he eagerly imprinted a kiss upon her hand exclaiming in interrupted phrase can it be possible heaven grant sure this is no illusion oh madam shall i call you my aurelia my heart is bursting with a thousand fond thoughts and presages you shall see that dire paper which has been the source of all my woes it is the constant companion of my travels last night i nourished my chagrin with the perusal of its horrid contents aurelia expressed great impatience to view the cruel forgery for such she assured him it must be but he could not gratify her desire till the arrival of his servant with the portmanteau In the meantime, tea was called. The lovers were seated. He looked and languished. She flushed and faltered. All was doubt and delirium, fondness and flutter. Their mutual disorder communicated itself to the kind-hearted, sympathising Dolly, who had been witness to the interview, and deeply affected at the disclosure of the scene unspeakable was her surprise when she found her mistress miss meadows was no other than the celebrated aurelia darnell whose eulogium she had heard so eloquently pronounced by her sweetheart mr thomas clark a discovery which still more endeared her lady to her affection she had wept plentifully at the progress of their mutual explanation and was now so disconcerted that she scarce knew the meaning of the orders she had received she set the kettle on the table and placed the tea-board on the fire her confusion by attracting the notice of her mistress helped to relieve her from her own embarrassing situation she with her own delicate hands rectified the mistake of dolly who still continued to sob and said you may think my lady darnell as how i've eaten old cheese but ye ain't so i think for my part as i've been bewitched sir lancelot could not help smiling at the simplicity of dolly whose goodness of heart and attachment aurelia did not fail to extol as soon as her back was turned it was in consequence of this commendation that the next time she entered the room our adventurer for the first time, considered her face, and seemed to be struck with her features. He asked her some questions, which she could not answer to his satisfaction, applauded her regard for her lady, and assured her of his friendship and protection. He now begged to know the cause that obliged his Aurelia to travel at such a rate and in such an equipage, and she informed him of those particulars which we have already communicated to our reader sir Launcelot glowed with resentment when he understood how his dear aurelia had been oppressed by her perfidious and cruel guardian he bit his nether lip rolled his eyes around started from his seat and striding across the room i remember said he the dying words of her who now is a saint in heaven that violent man my brother-in-law who is aurelia's sole guardian will thwart her wishes with every obstacle that brutal resentment and implacable malice can contrive what followed it would ill become me to repeat but she concluded with these words the rest we must leave to the dispensations of providence was it not providence that sent me hither to guard and protect the injured aurelia then turning to Miss Darnell, whose eyes streamed with tears, he added, Yes, divine creature, Heaven, careful of your safety, and in compassion to my sufferings, hath guided me hither in this mysterious manner, that I might defend you from violence, and enjoy this transition from madness to deliberation, from despair to felicity. So saying, he approached this amiable mourner, this fragrant flower of beauty, glittering with the dew-drops of the morning, this sweetest and gentlest, loveliest ornament of human nature. He gazed upon her with looks of love ineffable. He sat down by her. He pressed her soft hand in his. He began to fear that all he saw was the flattering vision of a distempered brain he looked and sighed, and, turning up his eyes to heaven, breathed, in broken murmurs, the chaste raptures of his soul. The tenderness of this communication was too painful to be long endured. Aurelia industriously interposed other subjects of discourse that his attention might not be dangerously overcharged, and the afternoon passed insensibly away though he had determined in his own mind never more to quit this idol of his soul they had not yet concerted any plan of conduct when their happiness was all at once interrupted by a repetition of cries denoting horror and a servant coming in said he believed some rogues were murdering a traveller on the highway the supposition of such distress operated like gunpowder on the disposition of our adventurer who without considering the situation of aurelia and indeed without seeing or being capable to think on her or any other subject for the time being ran directly to the stable and mounting the first horse which he found saddled issued out in the twilight having no other weapon but his sword he rode full speed to the spot where the cries seemed to proceed but they sounded more remote as he advanced nevertheless he followed them to a considerable distance from the road over fields ditches and hedges and at last came so near that he could plainly distinguish the voice of his own squire timothy crabshaw bellowing for mercy with hideous vociferation stimulated by this recognition he redoubled his career in the dark till at length his horse plunged into a hole the nature of which he could not comprehend But he found it impracticable to disengage him. It was with some difficulty that he himself clambered over a ruined wall and regained the open ground. Here he groped about in the utmost impatience of anxiety, ignorant of the place, mad with vexation for the fate of his unfortunate squire, and between whiles invaded with a pang of concern for Aurelia, left among strangers unguarded and alarmed in the midst of this emotion he bethought himself of hallooing aloud that in case he should be in the neighbourhood of any inhabited place he might be heard and assisted he accordingly practised this expedient which was not altogether without effect for he was immediately answered by an old friend no other than his own steed Bronzo marte who hearing his master's voice neighed strenuously at a small distance the knight being well acquainted with the sound heard it with astonishment and advancing in the right direction found his noble charger fastened to a tree he forthwith untied and mounted him then laying the reins upon his neck allowed him to choose his own path in which he began to travel With equal steadiness and expedition. They had not proceeded far, when the knight's ears were again saluted by the cries of Crabshaw, which Bronzer Marty no sooner heard than he pricked up his ears, neighed, and quickened his pace, as if he had been sensible of the squire's distress, and hastened to his relief. Sir Lancelot, notwithstanding his own disquiet, could not help observing and admiring this generous sensibility of his horse. He began to think himself some hero of romance, mounted upon a winged steed, inspired with reason, directed by some humane enchanter, who pitied virtue in distress. All circumstances considered, it is no wonder that the commotion in the mind of our adventurer produced some such delirium. All night he continued the chase. The voice, which was repeated at intervals still retreating before him till the morning began to appear in the east when by divers piteous groans he was directed to the corner of a wood where he beheld his miserable squire stretched upon the grass and gilbert feeding by him altogether unconcerned the helmet and the lance suspended at the saddle-bow and the portmanteau safely fixed upon the crupper The knight riding up to crabshaw with equal surprise and concern asked what had brought him there and timothy after some pause during which he surveyed his master with a rueful aspect answered the devil one would imagine indeed you had some such conveyance said sir lancelot i have followed your cries since last evening i know not how nor whither and never could come up with you till this moment but say what damage have you sustained that you lie in that wretched posture and groan so dismally i can't guess replied the squire baint that my whole carcass is drilled into oiled holes and my flesh pinched into a jelly how wherefore cried the knight who were the miscreants that treated you in such a barbarous manner do you know the ruffians i know nothing at all answered the peevish squire, but that I was tormented by Viva hundred and viva thousand legions of devils, and there's an end it. Well, you must have a little patience, Crabshaw. There is a salve for every sore You might as well tell me, for every Zoe there is a reverence. For a man in your condition, methinks you talk very much at your ease. Try if you can get up and mount Gilbert. That you may be conveyed to some place where you can have proper assistance so well done cheerily. timothy actually made an effort to rise but fell down again and uttered a dismal yell then his master exhorted him to take advantage of a park wall by which he lay and raise himself gradually upon it crabshaw eyeing him askance said by way of reproach for his not alighting and assisting him in person, that's your house with it, and you'll have more teachers than reachers. Having pronounced this inelegant adage, he made shift to stand upon his legs, and now the knight lending a hand was mounted upon Gilbert, though not without a world of o's and r's and other ejaculations of pain and impatience. As they jogged on together our adventurer endeavoured to learn the particulars of the disaster which had befallen the squire but all the information he could obtain amounted to a very imperfect sketch of the adventure by dint of a thousand interrogations he understood that crabshaw had been in the preceding evening encountered by three persons on horseback with venetian masks on their faces which he mistook for their natural features and was terrified accordingly, that they not only presented pistols to his breast, and led his horse out of the highway, but pricked him with goads, and pinched him from time to time, till he screamed with the torture, that he was led through unfrequented places across the country, sometimes at an easy trot, sometimes at full gallop, and tormented all night by those hideous demons, who vanished at daybreak, And left him lying on the spot where he was found by his master this was a mystery which our hero could by no means unriddle it was the more unaccountable as the squire had not been robbed of his money horses and baggage he was even disposed to believe that crabshaw's brain was disordered and the whole account he had given no more than a mere chimera this opinion however he could no longer retain when he arrived at an inn on the post-road, and found, upon examination, that Timothy's lower extremities were covered with blood, and all the rest of his body speckled with livid marks of contusion. But he was still more chagrined when the landlord informed him that he was thirty miles distant from the place where he had left Aurelia, and that his way lay through cross-roads, which were almost impassable at that season of the year. Alarmed at this intelligence, he gave directions that his squire should be immediately conveyed to bed in a comfortable chamber, as he complained more and more, and, indeed, was seized with a fever, occasioned by the fatigue, the pain, and terror he had undergone. A neighbouring apothecary being called, and giving it as his opinion that he could not for some days be in a condition to travel, his master deposited a sum of money in his hands, desiring he might be properly attended till he should hear further. Then mounting Bronza Marte, he set out with a guide for the place he had left, not without a thousand fears and perplexities, arising from the reflection of having left the jewel of his heart with such precipitation. End of chapter Fifteen.